welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast. It's Tuesday, April 12th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today with columnist Sam McDowell and beat writer Herbie Tiope. The NFL Draft is about two and a half weeks away, and Herbie has launched two of what will be four mock drafts. The names in the drafts are different, but the idea isn't. Defense should be the priority for the Chiefs, according to the mocks, and if you want to narrow it down further, rush end. After a break, we discuss Sam's conversation with Tyron Matthew, the safety who has completed three seasons with the Chiefs, and there does not appear to be a fourth. The Chiefs have been saying all along they wanted to bring back Matthew, but it hasn't happened. Sam sat down with Matthew in New Orleans last week and wrote a terrific story. Okay, let's get started. Talking Chiefs on Sportsbeat KC. So we're here with Herbie Diopi and Sam McDowell, beat writer and columnist. I think this is the first time that we've separated the titles in a podcast. And I don't know, I'm a little little nervous. I don't know how to address Sam now um, as, as a columnist. Herbie, beat writer, you can just shoot the breeze with with the beat writer. But a columnist, you got to bring some, you better bring some good questions and some they're very thoughtful dialogue uh, when you're talking to Sam McDowell these days. So, yeah, you know, I usually don't talk to Herbie anymore, Blair, because he's kind of beneath me uh, to even have those conversations. Wow! And here I was getting ready to compliment the the clean cut Sam McDowell. I mean, he becomes a columnist now. He's walking around with a nice haircut. Uh, well, uh, well, we'll somehow get through this uh, this podcast with the uh, with, with the dueling titles. I wanted to start, uh, Herbie, by um, by mocking you. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, by uh, <laughs> you have mocked all of us with uh, two of them, in fact, each the last two weeks with your mock drafts and. Um, they're not, you know, they're they're not easy to do. It takes a lot, especially this year for the Chiefs. Um, you know, in years past, they've had drafts with five, six guys, you know, and uh, and you just you breeze through it. Not the case here. Um, Twelve draft picks, and you've got a you got a player for every spot. So. 12 names and you've done it twice on your way to how many are going to be <laughs> there's there's two more baby there's two more to go <laughs> so we're at halftime of the mock drafts uh, produced by Herbie Tiope. um so what what's the guiding thought going into this i you know obviously you go with different players each time just to give people a you know just a taste of what might happen but what i did notice is um in at least especially in the first four or five picks uh you had you know, this needs identified, right? And so tell us about uh, your latest mock draft and uh, who you got the, among the Chiefs and their, their two first-round picks, and then uh, we'll talk about some others as well. Yeah, I think, like, for me, when, when, when I go into this, I always tend to, like, think about what Brett Veach says because, you know, you have to decipher some of the things he says and, and then sort of take that and then look at the prospects and then go ahead and formulate a plan. Coming into this, though – He's been steadfast ever since the end of the regular season that defensive line and defense was a need. You know, that was a position that they were going to spend the offseason looking at. Now, with free agency tends to change a lot of things when I do mock drafts. And if I don't see them addressing defensive line or cornerback uh, in free agency, that's my red flag to say, OK, they're, they're absolutely looking at the draft to fill potentially some of these spots. Um, 
And I remember back at the combine and Sam, you were there as well, where, you know, he, he complimented the depth of defensive line, cornerbacks, and even wide receiver. And I think wide receiver has to be in that mix as well within those first five picks with 12 draft picks, you know, Brett Veach, as we know, his MO is he, he may package some trade or excuse me, some draft picks either move up or down. So if he sees someone that he absolutely likes, I think it's going to be one of those three positions, which is why if you look at my mock drafts, the last two, I've gone cornerback, defensive end, wide receiver within those first three picks. And I don't think I'm going to deviate too much from that because I think those are the positions that they have to look at. With wide receiver, you lose Tyreek Hill. Yes, you brought in Juju Smith-Schuster. You brought in Marquez, uh, Valdez-Scantling. But McCall Hardman is on, you know, the final year of his deal. You've got Juju Smith-Schuster on the final year. He only has one year. So you have to bolster the wide receiver position. You have to go after pass rushers. You have to go after a cornerback. And those are probably the three that I am not going to deviate from within that first three picks. Sam, I think Kirby makes a good point about the free agents. If you're not going to, if you're not going to sign them, you're going to draft them at positions of need here. And um, uh, so it, and unless the chiefs do something with their picks um, and Brett Veach has been known to, to be a wheeler dealer when it comes to his picks, uh, you know, some kind of, some kind of defensive line, let's just say an edge rusher and a cornerback seem to be um, pr- pr- should be high on the chiefs list. Yeah. You know, this is sort of the new way of how the chiefs are going to have to operate in the era of the Patrick Mahomes extension, which is last year we saw Brett Veach sort of announce to us the same sort of proposition, which is you got to overhaul the offensive line was what he said last year. And they did that in free agency with the trade and with the draft. This year, he said the same sort of announcement to us about defensive line. We haven't seen them add defensive linemen. And so you say, well, the draft is coming up. They got 12 picks. They're going to have to do the defensive line. To me, that's the number one priority going into this draft. I do think they have enough needs to where they're not set. They don't have to corner themselves into just drafting a defensive lineman. Uh, Herbie outlined those other needs. But I think the bigger picture is what I said, that this is how the future of the Chiefs is going to be. They're going to have to operate with draft picks to fill needs. And it's not as comfortable as a spot to be. But, I mean, let's face it, the Patrick Mahomes contract is not as comfortably fit under the salary cap as it used to be. To to Sam's point about last year where he was talking about offensive line, if you remember some of the mocks I did leading up to Brett Veach's pre-draft news conference or press conference that he had with us, all of them featured a left tackle. But then all of a sudden, after that press conference, what happened, Sam? Remember this. An hour later, they traded for Orlando Brown. <laughs> so, you know, that threw everything into a flux. So they clearly addressed it. So, you know, even with those three picks that I've, I'm not de- not going to deviate from too much, there's still some time where they could probably make a trade before the draft and bring in a uh, a pass rusher or a cornerback, you know, to, to bolster that. And, so a lot of things can change between now and the draft, but yeah, those are the positions I think that they have to concentrate on. Yeah. I mean, to your point, Herbie, they've got assets now. I mean, they've got 12 picks, so they've got, if they want to make a move, they can make a move. Um, because of what I said, I don't think they should make a move. You know, I, I don't think that means they won't. 
you know, when you've got 29 and 30, it can become awfully enticing to package those and try and move up. Well, that, and that's what I was going to suggest because kind of like quarterbacks, um, edge rusher, you, you're not necessarily going to get a guy who is a difference maker outside of the, what, top 15 or 20 exactly or so? Exactly right. Exactly so, right. So it, nothing's out of the realm of possibility, but I can see a scenario where the Chiefs package, maybe not two firsts, but one of their firsts in a, in a, in a you know, in a third or a fourth, just to move up um, 10 or 15 spots. Is that, I, you know, and not, not having the chart in front of me about that, what value is, um, is that a outlandish thought? I, I think it's a possibility. Um, again, in fact, I would even say it's a decent possibility, but it's not the strategy I would go because I, I think, you know, the interesting thing is Brett Veach has done really well uh, deeper in the draft. And I think he needs to trust his own resume and, and keep as many picks as possible because he drafted Largerius Sneed in the fifth round. You know, the, the two first picks he had last year were both deep second round picks and they're both potential pro bowlers. I think we think so. I, I think I, if I'm Brett Veach, I look at my own record and say, I want the 12 picks. You know, maybe if there's a guy you absolutely fall in love with, but the guys he's fallen in love with and traded up for have not been as successful as the guys I just mentioned. Even Trey Smith. Yeah, don't, don't forget Trey Smith last year. Yeah, yeah sixth rounder. Yeah, sixth round. Yeah. And the Chiefs are going to need cheap labor under the in, in the, in the Patrick Mahomes salary cap era. You know, Patrick Mahomes salary. Uh, they are just going to need cheap labor. And look, the 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 most recent NFL dynasty, that's how they existed for a couple of decades. Um, you know, getting key pieces to put around Tom Brady, but the the Patriots always were heavy on, always had more than seven draft picks every year. And, um, and, and that's how they did it. Uh, it was, um, and, oh, they had some good players uh, and some great coaching. But in terms of just making it work financially, I think that's how it has to happen. Yeah, there, there's something to be said about, getting players and getting the most out of them during their rookie contracts. I mean, you, you nailed it. You know, we're talking about the Patriots, obviously, and they did a very good job of it. And Bill Belichick, to his credit, always seemed to know, okay, do I want to keep this guy around for an extension or is it time to cut loose and just reload again in the draft? And that's what they did for, for, for numerous years. All right, guys, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to hit on um, Sam McDowell's terrific story where uh, he sat down with uh, Tyron Matthew in New Orleans during Final Four week. We'll be right back. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site 
and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell. We're talking Chiefs. Um, so while the rest of the coverage crew was busy following the Jayhawks in New Orleans, Sam McDowell took at least an hour out of his time covering KU and went and sat down with Tyron Matthew at a New Orleans cafe and came up with a terrific story. We'll, we'll post to it uh, on, we'll link to it on our uh, on the Kansas City Star website. But uh, Sam, I always like to talk about how stories come about. What was the kind of the genesis of, of the story? Well, first of all, I felt guilty about going to New Orleans with without Herbie, um, part of the ride. And I also feel like we shouldn't mention New Orleans on a podcast before he does, Blair. But um, it is a first. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, just I, I felt like the timing just just worked out um, as as far as you know, like you mentioned, Ku was playing there. I was heading there anyway, and just reached out to him. And um, I mean, you know how these things are. It's it's, it's sort of like. Uh, I mean, a football analogy be recruiting. I mean, how many how many guys does a football coach contact before one of them says, "Yeah, I'll come there." Um, so yeah, I mean, Tyron just happened to be up for it, and I, I did anticipate that he was going to be um, pretty open because that's Tyron Matthews' personality. I mean, he's he's. I think we can all say among our favorite guys to talk to in the lo- locker room back when the locker room was open in 2019. So um, he. he and that, that was my, my takeaway after leaving the cafe as well was there was not a question that, that I asked that, that he was not up for answering. No, he, uh, he, he really is a genuine person and a likable person. He's a guy, kind of guy you root for, yeah. and which is why when he said what he did about being heartbroken, and not just heartbroken, but heartbroken, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the emphasis – um, you you, ha- you had to feel it a little bit, and um, there's so many places to go here. I, I guess Sam, I'll say that when I finished reading the story, one of my first thoughts was, I wonder when the Chiefs knew he wasn't going to be a part of the future. And I, the pessimist in me, I guess, maybe believes it before last season um, that. The Chiefs knew that he was not going to be part of the future, kind of understood what his number was, his, his salary demand was going to be, and, um, and, 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 and just thought, you know what, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So I don't know what your uh, conclusions were. Sometimes you got to read between the lines. And one of the reasons you have to read between the lines is the Chiefs aren't going to comment. It's not, in the, it's not in the Chiefs' interest to comment on something like this. So you only had Tyron Matthews' side of the story yeah. still. It was a heck of a, you know, emotional roller coaster for him, and and a, and a great read. So, what what was your sort of bottom line about what the Chiefs may have offered, uh, and what Tyron Matthew uh, would have accepted? Yeah. So, uh, I, I whether or not the Chiefs made that decision 
or not last offseason, Tyron Matthew thought that they did when they didn't offer him, you know, as a as serious offer for uh, a contract. He, he thought that was it. And he played the whole season thinking that was it. So whether or not that was in the Chiefs' minds, I'm not sure. I don't, you know, Tyron did not have a great year last year. No, he didn't. He looks slower than he looked the year before. So it's entirely possible that last summer the Chiefs thought Tyron Matthew was too expensive. By the time free agency reaches around, they think he might be too old. So they could have reached the same conclusion, but for two different reasons. Uh, And Tyron gets it. I mean, he understands the business, but that just doesn't mean that it doesn't seriously affect him. And like you mentioned, I mean, he said he was heartbroken over it. Um, But it surprised me that he would accept the Justin Reed deal. And because I went into the offseason saying, I thought Tyron Matthew was going to want to exceed the contract he was on. He was at $14 million. Uh, and a lot of times we can't really use the, and, and, uh, you know, the annual average value because guys don't live out their contracts in the NFL. But this one he did. He played all three years. So I thought $14 million, that's probably going to be what he wants. And come to find out, you know, and I, I thought 10 was about what he I, – I, I thought, you know, I'd offer him 10. You can't really go beyond that. But that was when the Chiefs still had Tyreek Hill. We thought they were making that decision under a much worse salary cap scenario than they actually were. Um, and therefore, I thought, you know, about $10 million is as much as I'd, I'd probably go there. Well, I mean, 10.3 is is what Justin Reed gets. That's kind of a two-year deal. I mean, when you look at it, they can cut bait after two years. They can make that into a two-year deal. Tyron Matthew at age 30 and 31, I don't think sounds all that old. You know, if he wasn't asking for four years, I think that was a doable deal. Um, but under his um, impression, there were just not many conversations. And of course, I mean, Herbie knows this. We were at the combine. Agents and GMs talk a lot at the combine. So one entirely plausible scenario is these two sides had a preliminary conversation and one of the sides walked away saying it's just not going to work. Whether that was Tyron Matthews' side that said, you know what, they're only going to be able to offer a one-year deal or they're only going to be able to offer X amount. of There's no point furthering these conversations. Or whether it was the Chiefs that the agents potentially misestimated or miscalculated the uh, the market for Tyron and said, you know what, um, we told the Chiefs we wanted four years. And the Chiefs, you know, you can't go four years on a guy that's going to be 30 next year. So, you know, there were not many conversations, but that doesn't mean that there was zero interest at all, I guess, is what I'm saying. You bring up a really nice point about the market. And the market's speaking right now, is it not? I mean, the fact that Tyron Matthew hasn't signed. Now, he doesn't, you know, that can go on now for, in fact, I fully expect him not to be in someone's, you know, uh, off-season you know, yeah. activities. But there is something to be said right now about what his – what his market value is and what the NFL is saying about his market value. Yeah. And I, I think Blair, to your point about the timing of this, and I put this part in the story that he realized that he's appreciated this time more than he anticipated he would because it's allowed him time with family. And so I don't think he's, he's willing or, or you know, eager to, to just give that up to sign a deal. Um, the second piece of that, that I, I don't think I put in there is that, it's going to allow him the opportunity for the first time in his career to work on himself rather than working on a scheme that he's entering because he switched teams a lot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's, he's training actually with uh, Tom Brady's trainer starting this week. 
Um, so he's, he's doing, he's working on himself. And I, I think that he thinks if he's able to do that, that he could come back a better individual player rather than just, you know, a better guy that fits within a certain scheme. So I think it could be, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that it's June before we see Tyron Matthew latch onto a team. He did tell me that there's 10 teams that he would realistically go to who have expressed interest in him of some sort. And, you know, he, he lays it out as if he's going to be the one picking his destination rather than just waiting on someone to, to pick him. It's that veteran savvy move there, Blair. And you kind of mentioned that, you know, it's sometimes when players get that to that age, late twenties, early thirties, you know, they're, they're looking at, do I really want to put my body through the grind of OTAs again? And Sam kind of alluded to that where, where he has the option. Now you got 10 teams picking on you and I'm sure that he, you know, he's probably he might have expressed that, and some of these teams are willing to give him that. Well, Herbie, and you know the, the landscape in New Orleans pretty well. I just you talk about a a, a good. You know, I don't know what their secondary needs are in in with the Saints, but just a man and a place. Tyron Matthew in New Orleans just seems like a you know a natural for for me. LSU, you know, Louisiana kid, LSU star. Um, and wants to be a coach someday. Uh, I, I can just see him thriving in a, in the in the Saints environment if it ends up that way. Yeah, he also holds a summer camp down there as well. I mean, even when I was here, we go. Ready, Sam? Sorry. Even when I covered the Saints, you know, we, we always make sure we said. <laughs> sorry, I said this one's excusable. It's finally relevant to our conversation. <laughs> we, we always made sure whenever Tyron Matthew was in town to always send the reporter out there to go cover his camp because that's what he meant to the city of New Orleans. Yeah, he 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 is so big down there, and, and Sam, you you probably figured that out too while you were down there. But when you look at the Saints' backfield, they just lost Marcus Williams to the Ravens, but they, they brought in Marcus May. So I don't know if there, there's a need there. Um, but heck, if you, if you compare Marcus May and Tyron Matthew together, that's a, that's one heck of a safety combination. Yeah. You know, I asked him about that uh, specifically. Cause I, I said, do you look at the roster and say, well, this team already has two guys, this team like, and where am I going to fit in? And he said, he doesn't that he, he says, you know, I can beat this guy out. I, he said, when he came to LSU, he just assumed because he was a top recruit that he was the guy. And he said, I come to find out, I go to LSU and it's 6'2", 6'3", 6'2". And he's like, where do I fit in? He winds up starting as a freshman. And of course, you know, the next year he's a Heisman Trophy finalist. So he said from that lesson, it's like, I don't worry about who's there. I worry about whether or not I fit. Well, he, he actually said he does worry about who's there as far as the, the culture. Um, but as far as the depth chart, that's not a concern of his. I remember seeing him in college and just marveling at him. I mean, that, that's he was he was a force at, at LSU, and of course um, you know, had the the, the positive uh, uh, drug test that ended his college career. But he's been a fantastic pro. I, I I think he's on a trajectory to be a Hall of Famer, or at least he's he's moving in that direction. Needs a few more successful seasons, I think, to feel great about it. But I think he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. And I think so. What, too. Yeah, I, I I want him in the NFC because I think he will come. I think he's a determined person. Will do the right thing. Will come back stronger, better. And I don't. I certainly don't want him in the AFC West, and um, where they have, the Chiefs would have to see him twice. And just let him go to the NFC. And 
uh, where he started his career with uh, with Arizona and uh, and let's you know I, I wish him the best. Actually, I hope he comes back to the Chiefs. That's uh, yeah, yeah. but I guess that's out of the realm, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I mean, it, Herbie knows has taught me this. You never say never to anything in the NFL. So I would just say, as of now, that would shock me. Um, you know, I mean, he's he's planning to move and everything with the, with his right. kid. So. Uh, but one more thing you said, Blair, that I think is really relevant because the way he got kicked out of LSU, you would be a, a better reference point th- than me for this. But I just don't know how many players who get kicked out of college are, are icons at that college, um, invited back to the college. There's murals on the wall of them. And he goes to the baseball game. He, he, he speaks to the entire football team multiple times. Um, so I think that speaks to what we started off this conversation with, which is just Tyron Matthew, the person. Well, again, I, uh, I really enjoyed his time here. I, I had to double check this cause I, I, I find it hard to believe, you know, Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew got to Kansas city in the same year, right? They been in the chief's uniform for the past three years. Clark has been a pro bowler all three years and Tyron Matthew only twice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> kind, kind of hard to believe. But, uh, but he has something that Clark doesn't have, the all-pro. He does. Two-time all-pro. And I tend to put all-pro on a higher pedestal. Well, yeah, you have to. And that's the when you start talking about building a Hall of Famer's credentials, you, you look at that. All-pro, you know, postseason success. He's He's got that. He's got that. So maybe a couple more all-pro seasons for Tyron Matthew. He'll, he'll be on the Hall of Fame track. So. All right, uh, let's let's shove on. Um, Herbie, when, when's the next mock draft coming out? Uh, Monday, the 18th. Okay. Um, you're not going to shock us and have a wide receiver with a first pick, are you? I might. I don't know. Because I've gone – you, you know, it's the first one I went defensive end. The second one I went cornerback. I might move a wide receiver up. Then, but then you flipped him for the second one. You had cornerback – in your latest one, cornerback first, right, the Florida kid, and then um, – Defensive line, the second one had a wide receiver in, in the the third pick each time. I noticed, so um, yeah. Isn't that an interesting piece? Like one of those guys is going to make more money than the other one, even though they're taking them in in tandem. <laughs> That's <a> good. <laughs> yes, the draft slot. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys. Good conversation. I really appreciate it, and we will do it again soon. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producers Monty Davis and Randy Mason and to our staff of Jeff Rosen and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell for sharing their thoughts. Reading the morning sports edition continues to be my favorite morning activity. Dozens of pages about sports. It's larger than any sports section in any daily newspaper. You need to read this. Go to KansasCity.com and drop to the subscription tab at the bottom of the page. Thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat Casey.